Hey, welcome to episode number 119 of More Than Bread. This podcast flows from a conviction that we need more than bread for the soul of our life. We need to we need to soak our souls in scripture. The people of God need the spirit of God to breathe life into our souls through the word of God. And for that to happen, we need to listen. So let me ask you, how well do you listen? John Orberg tells a story of a time when he and his family were stuck for an afternoon in a room with a mother and her eight-year-old son. Both families were waiting for a family member during Parents' Day at college. John writes, we'd never met before, but for one hour, this mother did not stop talking. She told us about herself, her husband, her kids, her neighbors, and her neighbor's kids. After an hour, we knew more about her than some of her own relatives. She made Don King look like an introvert. It's not that we weren't sending signals, he wrote. We were. No one would make eye contact with her because we were afraid it might encourage her. No one was nodding their head in response to what she was saying. Our bodies were facing the other direction. We tapped our feet, drummed our fingers, did everything but go out and rent a large neon sign. Please take a breath. She didn't. <laughs> it was like pop-up spam out of control. She'd taken a powerful word laxative and couldn't stop what was coming out. Finally, her daughter arrived, and even as she stood to leave, the torrential rain of words continued its downpour. Well, we've got to go, kids. I've got to get some things ready for dinner. Got to pick up dad. And oh, yes, I got to stop and get some buttons. <laughs> at the word button, her eight-year-old son looked up at her and spoke for the very first time in 90 minutes. First time he spoke, eight words, inspired by the Holy Spirit, eight words which everyone else had in their mind, but only this eight-year-old child let it come out his lips. Mom, he said, you need a button for your mouth. <laughs> How well do you listen to God? How well do I listen to God? Carefully consider that question. See, I suspect that there are times when if God, God's word to me might start with, Dan, you need a button for your mouth, maybe a button for your mind or your calendar or your smartphone addiction, your worry. I am the creator God. I shaped your heart and created your potential. I have planned good deeds of compassion and sacrifice, great thoughts of insight and vision, an uncommon life, and it starts with life-giving words. I want to speak deep into your heart. But Dan, your life is too filled with noise. Your heart is too filled with clutter. Your mouth is too filled with words. I will not scream to be heard. I love you. Can you hear God say, I love you, but you'll miss me if you don't put a button on it and learn to be still. I'm convinced that one of the great enemies of the shaping of our soul and the development of spiritual life is our lack of stillness. Psalm 46, verse 10, and we'll we'll come back to that in, in a, a number of episodes in the future, but it says, be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. We, and we just need a stop button, something we can push to stop the hurry and worry of a life that's always seeking but never finding because we've lost the skill of still. So I'm Dan, fellow button eater, on a journey to be a better listener because we need more than bread. In this chapter of More Than Bread, we're letting the psalm saturate our souls. Eugene Peterson said that every language, including the language of prayer, is learned. And you know what? Through the psalms, we learn the language of prayer. But here's what I love about prayer steeped in the psalms. When we read or listen to the psalms before we pray, it's kind of like we let God have the first word. Prayer should always be the second word. We come to God with our ears before we come to God with our lips. 
I haven't talked about it every episode, but I hope you're praying through the Psalms every day after you listen to me. Some, you can just pray directly. Just read it as a prayer. Some of them you can use as a guide for themes of prayer, but develop your language of prayer as you pray through the Psalms or you're missing some of their greatest value. Today, we're listening to Psalm 33. Let me read it from the New International Version. Here's what it says. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all that he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance from heaven The Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. His kesed, his his faithfulness, his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Man, there are are so many places we could land our listening ears in Psalm 33, but you know I have to start with verses 4 through 9. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all that he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the word revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. There's power in words. We know it because we've been on the receiving side of words that encouraged and words that destroyed. There are times when you've been so impacted by words that in your heart of hearts, you know what Solomon meant when he wrote in Proverbs 15, 4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a lie crushes the spirit. Words can hurt. I can still remember the first time another kid said I was fat. It, It was... And I don't know, it was over five decades ago. (laughs) But I can still see it, still feel the sting. Maybe there was a word that was said or a word left unsaid in your life that hurt. Words can hurt. Words can also bring life. I remember when my son Jake was about three years old, it was one of those days when he had been as naughty as he could be. Rough day, 
Lynn and I were going on a date that night, but because of her day, she was late getting ready. We were going somewhere nice, but she didn't even have time. She just kind of threw something on. And as she was coming down the stairs, Jake was standing at the bottom of the steps. He looked up, his mouth dropped. He said, Mom, you look just like a princess. (laughs) Those words reshaped a whole day. And those are just little boy words. I mean, think about the potential power of God words. Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all their hosts by the breath of his mouth. In Genesis, there is no world until God starts talking. His words create a whole new world. Do you think he might possibly create something new in your heart, new in your life with just a word? Psalm 107, verses 19 through 20 says, then they cried out to the Lord. In their trouble, he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and he healed them. God's word brings healing. It it de-stresses our distress. Have you ever had had that happen to you? Jesus knew the power of words to give life. That was one thing that made him attractive to so many people, the power of his words. One time, Jesus and his friends were going through a tough time, and, and, and a lot of people were leaving Jesus, leaving Team Jesus. So Jesus asked his friends in John six sixty eight, said, do you also want to leave? What did Peter say to him? Master, to whom would we go? You have the words of real life. See, something happens when the Word of God begins to saturate our hearts and minds. Life happens. Do not underestimate the power of words. In our media-rich culture, sometimes we forget the power of words. When God created the world, he didn't cast the vision. He spoke it into being. When, When Jesus came into the world, he was called the Word, not the vision. The Word became flesh, John writes in chapter 1, verse 14 of John's gospel. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, of all the people on the face of the earth, listen to me, Jesus' followers should be the world's greatest listeners. If there's any discipline in the world that we should be teaching our children, modeling for our kids, it's the art of listening. Time and time again throughout the Bible, it calls us to hear, to listen. In fact, the faith which pleases God comes by hearing and not by sight. It's the word, the, the call of God that awakens us and, and unburies our lives and awakens us to the dreams he desires to release in our hearts. So ask yourself, am I listening to God? Am I drawn to the words of God? Henry Blackaby made a comment in the Experiencing God study, which has caused a lot of people over the course of the years to step back and and kind of reconsider some thoughts about our faith. He said this, he said, if I have trouble hearing God speak, in other words, if I don't know when God is speaking to me, then I am in trouble at the very heart of my Christian experience. (laughs) You have trouble hearing God speak? In verse 6, the psalmist declares, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. God's spoken word has profound creative power, and his words are reliable and trustworthy. The psalmist calls them right and true, and all of his promises are faithful and trustworthy. God's word is a stable, reliable, true foundation upon which we can build our lives. It is unchanging and dependable, guiding us with wisdom and truth. Man, We could use that today, right? I mean, when everything is up for grabs, what is unchanging and true? His words. And at least in part, his words are unchanging and true because he sees true, right? 
Our God is not absent and you are not unseen. The psalmist says, from heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. And then a little further down in verse 18, it says, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death, keep them alive in famine. And I read those words and and I just, I want to tell you with all my heart, he sees you. He sees you. I've shared this story before, but it's too good not to share again here. Amy Axby shares a a mothering story about a time when her kids were little. She writes, and I was just, I was angry all the time and I had, I had no idea how to be the mom I wanted to be. One day I walked into the kitchen where my toddler had broken something, was trying to clean it by himself. He broke things often in the kitchen ketchup, eggs, whipped cream. It was a constant source of exasperation for me. She said, I I had no idea how to be the mom I wanted to be. And as she felt this angry shout begin to start to rise in her throat, she sensed God saying, get down on the floor and tell him, I see you. (laughs) And in that moment, she felt just such a wave of compassion for her son that, that her anger just completely dissolved. She writes, I believe it was the love of God for him. I knelt down and I said, son, come here. He knew he was in trouble, but he came, head hanging down. And again, she sensed God saying, just tell him I see you. So she put her hands gently on his little arms and said, I see you. I see that you're trying to be good. I see that you're trying to clean up that mess. You're doing a good job. I see you. I love you. And God sees you and he loves you. He was so little, maybe three but his lip trembled and, and he just he threw himself at his mom. He, he grabbed her tight and started to cry. She was, she was a bit shocked that a toddler would even know what she was saying, much less be so moved by it. I see you. Such a powerful gift. Among the people of northern Natal in South Africa, the most common greeting like hello in English is the expression sawubona. It literally means I see you or even I see you as you are. And if you're part of the community, you might reply by saying, Sikoma, I am here. And the order is important as in, until you see me, I do not exist. <laughs> I see you, Sawubona. It's like the psalmist on God's behalf is saying, Sawubona, I see you. You are seen. His words are true because his sight is true. And here's the best news. This true seer of all things, <laughs> all things you, he loves you. The one who knows you best loves you the most. Twice the psalmist talks about his unfailing love. The the Hebrew word is kesed, his loyal, never-ending, always-on, always-full love for you. He he sees you and he loves you. In in her book, Captivating, Stacey Eldridge writes, I know I'm not alone in this nagging sense of failing to measure up. Every woman I've ever met feels it, something deeper than just the sense of failing at what she does, an underlying gut feeling of failing at who she is. We feel unseen, even by those who are closest to us. We feel unsought, that no one has the passion or the courage to pursue us, to get past our messiness, to find the woman deep inside. Aware of our deep failings, we pour contempt on our hearts for wanting more. If you can relate to that, please hear these words. The eyes of the Lord are on you. So hope in his unfailing love and listen for his true voice. Trust in him as your hope, your help, and your shield. Find refuge from anxiety in his presence. Align your path with his promises, his word. 
Let me read again this time from the New Living Translation, Psalm 33. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy, for the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything that he does. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It it appeared at his command. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race from his throne. He observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything that they do. The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength, it cannot save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. So we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. As I take a moment to pray, um, just spend a little bit of time thanking God for his greatness and his faithfulness. Express your trust in his word and surrender to him any areas of uncertainty or doubt. May your life Be a testament, a story of praise and trust and reliance on the one who holds the universe in his hands and speaks life into being. So, Father, in these moments, we say thank you for your greatness and your faithfulness. I pray that you'd bring to mind for anybody listening, just those moments when when you have spoken into their lives, their hearts, when, when you have shown your unfailing love, and we express our trust in your word. We, we surrender the areas of uncertainty and doubt, and we ask that you would cause our lives, that you would, you would speak something new into our lives. We, we thank you for seeing us and knowing us. God, would you speak something new in our lives? You're the one who holds the universe and our lives in your hands. We trust in you. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Amen.